1: The reality is, from a young age, I started building the idea of this perfect human based on what I had seen, been taught, read, and heard, and just allowed it to get more complicated over time. Once I reached the age of social media, it got a lot worse. What I learned was nobody is perfect. Because I spent so much time beating myself up about my life choices, I lost sight of all of my admirable qualities. I've learned to ask for feedback and appreciate the opportunities for growth provided through those conversations. What matters is that you are continuing to work on being the best person you can be and treating yourself and others with kindness every step of the way. Valeria Telles interviews Carrie Thompson, the author of Anxiety Diary of an Ordinary Girl. Carrie Thompson is a CPA, mental health advocate, and the author of Anxiety Diary of an Ordinary Girl. Diagnosed with generalized anxiety disorder in 2016, Carrie spent time exploring the world of mental health and educating herself on the causes and the cures. She is passionate about helping others and aspires to change lives by bringing awareness to the importance of mental health through sharing her story, expanding others' knowledge, and connecting with them. Fox, NBC, and CBS have featured Carrie, and she has contributed to Thrive Global and other websites and various podcasts have interviewed her. In addition to reading and writing, she enjoys fitness and baking. She loves to spend time with her family, friends, sweet kitty, and Albie. Meet Carrie at Always Growing with Here's the interview with Carrie Thompson.
2: In your own words, who is Carrie Thompson? Oh gosh, there are so many pieces to that. I would say, I think the way that I describe myself sometimes is kind of a unicorn because I just have so many passions in so many different places. I am very much a free spirit and kind of into the woo woo sometimes, Mm -hmm. very spiritual. And then I have a more serious side, which is my more professional side at work. But I'm definitely a wanderer at heart, a people person, very passionate. And yeah, I just, I have a lot of different aspects to my personality. So I think it can just really depend on the day.
0: My second warm-up question for you, Carrie, is about mental health. What is to be mentally healthy from your perspective?
2: I think that a lot goes into that. Um, For me, a or at least in my opinion, I think a lot about mental health is a lot of, is about self-awareness and being able to listen to your body and listen to your mind and just being aware of how you're feeling all the time because being aware helps you to decide what you need to do for yourself and what direction to go. So if you're feeling very tense or very uptight and worried, like maybe you need to take a few minutes to step away from whatever you're doing or go on a walk, or maybe you're feeling super excited and joyous. And what you need to do is dive into something you're passionate about or spend time with family and friends. So I think just self-awareness and being aware of how you feel is a huge part of what mental health is.
0: So in your book you say we are all divine beings created by our higher powers and placed on this earth to love and to be loved. What is your idea of spirituality, Carrie, as of this moment?
2: So I grew up um in a catholic home, so that was my spiritual upbringing from when I was younger. Yeah. But now I don't love how strict and regimented like the Catholic religion is. And I believe a lot more in just a higher power in general and, you know, doing what you can for yourself and knowing that if you are doing what you can for yourself, that your higher power is there to guide you and will always bring you to the place you're supposed to be. And I think that... Everyone on the earth has their place here. And I think they're all just as important and just as loved. And they're all put here for a specific reason. Just the same way that I do believe that people come in and out of your life for specific reasons at specific times. And you encounter specific challenges and such along the way because it teaches you lessons as you grow.
0: Yeah, it resonates true to me very much. And with that in mind, so coming here for a reason, that relates to the topic of having a purpose, of finding a purpose. Have you found your purpose? And if you did, what is your purpose at this time?
2: So that was actually the whole reasoning behind writing my book, actually. I was really struggling with that. In my book, I talk about how... I was first diagnosed with anxiety, and then how that affected my life as it went untreated and not untreated in the sense of like not seeking medical treatment, not seeking therapy. Like I was doing those things, but right. I was expecting results like those people to make the changes, you know, right. and it'd be right. like a magic six for me, yeah. which didn't work. So that eventually obviously led up to having a mental breakdown. And as I was, Coming out of that and truly starting to do the work on my mental health and recovering, I spent a lot of time ruminating on what is my purpose? Why am I here, et cetera, et cetera? And that is actually how I landed on my book because my job is amazing and it fulfills me in a professional sense, but in a personal sense, it doesn't really fulfill me because I felt like my place in the world was. Being put here to help other people, and that's something I'm very passionate about. Right. So that's what I feel my purpose is. I feel I kind of found that sharing my story gave me a huge sense of purpose because I feel like mental health and mental health disorders are so stigmatized, they're not talked about enough. And I felt that it was my job to try to change the narrative. Do you think it takes? Courage
0: to do what you did or trust?
2: I think it takes a little bit of both. Right. And I also think that it takes a little bit of empathy and a little right. bit of sympathy right. for other people because you're not just doing it for yourself. Right. So right. it I do think like it did take bravery at points, but the thing that drove me through the hard times when I wasn't trusting myself and wasn't feeling brave was just like knowing that I could help other people and that being the driving force behind it.
0: When it comes to healing and self-healing, what are some of the misconceptions we have, Carrie, that you have found out?
2: I think that a lot of people just believe that things will magically go away. Yeah. I I've encountered that a lot recently talking to people where it's well I'm just going through a hard time and a lot is going on and like that can be true right. but when you are telling me that same story all the time the fact of the matter is we all have a lot going on all the time right. but if we just continue to allow a lot to go on and we don't take a moment to be like, okay, what are the recurring themes through all this and what can I do to make an impact on those themes? They could be bad habits, you know, anything. But I think that if you have something that is running through all of your life activities, then like, I talked to somebody recently and they had recently gone through a divorce and they were feeling super stressed and anxious, but they were like, oh, it's just work or just my friends. And then after opening up, they're like, well, yeah, I have some unresolved demons from my divorce and issues I need to work through. But I don't think I need to see a shrink, which like the fact they said shrink really, I was like, you really shouldn't call them that. Like that's, that's just adds to the stigma. Like there's therapists and counselors And honestly, like you don't even have to have major issues, like things from a divorce. Like you can go talk to a counselor just about small things. Like, are you having trouble focusing at work and how can, how is that contributing to your stress and your anxiety and what can you do to work through it? But just the fact that that person told me that and I was like, wow, like you just got a year of your life, just blaming it on stress and a lot going on. But that's something you'll carry with you forever, especially coming from like a ten-year marriage. Yeah. So I think people just ignore it, and that's the issue.
0: I have a few more those warm-up questions for you, Carrie. In that one of which is about 2020. There has been this very interesting time of change and challenges for many of us. For you, what insights have you gained? What has changed?
2: Honestly, so many people complained about 2020 being crazy and it being like the worst year of their life, but 2020 gave me the opportunity to get my life back. So I didn't really have the issues that other people did.
0: Do you find that to be interesting? What do you attribute that, uh, not being affected by that time, by those challenges?
2: Yes. So 2020 for me, um, 2020 wasn't 2020, gave me the opportunity to get my life back. It's when it just being able to be at home and slow down and not have the pressure and the distractions of everyday life around me allowed me to come out of my mental breakdown and do the work in therapy and spend time, like extra time with my family and then taking all of the lessons I learned during that time and pouring them into my book. So Mm -hmm. I think it just helped me to slow down and focus on what was really important because I'm kind of a go, go, go person. And I think that that I just learned a lot about myself and about what I'm capable of in 2020.
0: So in a way, it was a gift of clarity, wasn't it? It
2: Just opened up. Yeah. And you, I feel like I just gained such a greater appreciation for the little things, like getting to see your friends, getting to sit down to dinner with somebody you love, like the things you couldn't do. So it just, I had such a greater appreciation for those. You know, normally it's just like text your friend, like, hey, do you want to like go grab a coffee or do you want to go to this class or da, da, da? Like, but you couldn't do that. So (laughs) it was like the first time, like hugging my friends again, you know, it was just such a special thing to do. I would have gone crazy if I didn't have my family because i spent a lot of time with my parents. Um, Otherwise, yeah, it definitely gave me a lot of appreciation too. Especially for the little things, which they are not
0: that little, not that small, really. Mm -hmm. And my last warm-up question is about freedom.
2: What is the meaning of freedom to you, Carrie? What is to be free? I think feeling comfortable in your own skin and just being able to be yourself 100% of the time. I feel like that is true freedom.
0: Would you say that self-love and self-acceptance are the first steps to get to that place, of being comfortable with oneself?
2: 100%. And it's so easy to say those two words, but they're so difficult to achieve sometimes. True.
0: And I wonder why, I ask the question a lot, why it's so challenging to love ourselves? It seems like common sense to do it, right? Simple. But it's not. So have you discovered the, the obstacles to that?
2: I think that the world that we live in and the pressures and standards set by society make it really challenging because I fully believe that we live in a very competitive world, especially in the U.S., where you have to work a little harder and do a little more and be involved in more things and look a certain way and you need to be able to carry a full-time job and be a parent and still go to workout classes and make time for your friends and be a chef at home. Like, it's just... It's so competitive and there's so many messages were sent by society that I think it, it makes it hard and you're constantly like, oh gosh, like I'm not enough in this area or I need to do work in that area or my friend is able to do this, but I can't. And it just, you anything that you have that's special to you and skills that people in your life might wish they had or might be envious of you for kind of get lost
0: In your book, Anxiety Diary of an Ordinary Girl, you talk about the challenges you had with anxiety and even being diagnosed with something that I never heard before, is generalized anxiety disorder. So talk to me for a moment about what anxiety is from your perspective, if the uh, the diagnosis was accurate, and what do you think caused the anxiety? and also the healing methods that you have used and then prevention i know got a, a lot of questions here
2: but i think that in its most basic form anxiety is just living in fear yeah. for me right. a lot of it was catastrophizing so always trying to predict the future but without it ever having a good outcome so just always being afraid of the what ifs like what if x terrible things happens and like you can live in a world of what ifs, that's fine, but it should be more it spun in a more positive manner. So, if you're saying, Well, what if I did get that job, or what if I do get that raise, or what if I do meet my best friend like at this event I'm going to, or whatever, you know right, what I mean? Right. But right. I Never lived in that. It was like, what if I fail this exam, or what if I get fired from work, or what if this person's mad at me? It's just like, it's right. never the positive side. So uh, that was a big part of it for me. And like I said, the most basic form of anxiety is just living in fear and like believing lies when they're mm-hmm. they are have no factual back like backup for them, right? Um, right. I think. A lot of what led to my diagnosis is I'm, I was bullied when I was younger. So that definitely started a lot of the self judgment piece of it. So yeah,
0: yeah.
2: lack of self esteem and lack of self confidence were big ones. And then it was the comparison game
0: right.
2: constantly. Right. So I want to look like my friends or have their job or. Have their boyfriend, or do this, or do that, and then, like, the head of it really was like going to take the CPA exam when I wanted to become a certified public accountant. Yeah, and just I felt so much pressure to get a certain score on that test because I was like, if I fail, I'm going to be so embarrassed, like, I can't even stand to have that happen. When in reality, right. a lot of people fail it the first time. It wouldn't yeah. be the end of the world. Right. You have time to retake it. So that was where it really got bad for me. So I think a lot, like just boiling down to the most basic answers. One, fear. Two, no self-confidence, no self-esteem. And three, perfectionist ten- tendencies Yeah, probably yeah. are the biggest issues. Yeah. And then... As far as getting better, honestly, a lot of it is starts with thought work, yeah. and that sounds so basic, but it really is like I was in therapy for years, and that didn't do anything because I wasn't actually doing any work outside of work. It's like going to physical therapy if you go to physical therapy once every two weeks and they tell you to do something for your injury and you don't do it, it, you're not going to get better. Like just showing up that one day does nothing for you. It will teach you the skills you need, but you have to do them once you've lost the building. And therapy is the same way. And I think there's a huge misconception um, about therapy where it's like some magic fix-all and it's not really like that person is there to guide you, but you are actually doing all the work. Right. True. So True. one, actually doing the work in therapy was a huge thing. And I would say 90% of that work was changing my thought patterns yeah. and just trying to be more optimistic in my thought processes because I spent so long talking down to myself and thinking negative thoughts that it was going to take a lot of time to, like, to reverse that damage. Yeah. And then... Honesty is another mm. big one, like just being right. completely honest because I wasn't doing that in therapy either.
0: Uh, another question I have, therapy is one, but I love what you're saying about therapy that will not work. And if you're not, you're willing to go deeper yourself and do the work yourself. So therapy is almost like oh, any kind of healing methods, really a, a guide, they guide us, but we do the work. And prevention, like what's the way if we want to prevent anxiety or to be diagnosed with generalized anxiety disorder, what's one thing that we must do,
2: Carrie, from your
0: perspective?
2: I think probably the most important thing is... To believe in yourself, I would say it's kind of a twofold. You need to believe in yourself, which that goes back to like the self awareness, self esteem, self confidence piece. Yeah. And then also you need to surround yourself with things that are positive. So Mm -hmm. if your job is toxic, you need a new job. If you're, Friends are toxic, you need new friends. If your family right. is toxic, you need to find a way to distance yourself. so right. surrounding yourself with the type of people who make your heart happy and make you feel amazing and believe in you so that you can continually have that that love that helps push you to work harder for yourself in a positive way. May we
0: all be able to do that. That's a very empowering way to live. And what I can say, it's courage and trust that we all choose to go in this direction, make the the change we need to make. I believe that too. Change of the environment the things we do. Just doing things differently, basically. We have to make change and most of us reject change. We resist change, but they are foundational for growth is the only way we can get from one place to another. So another question I have for you is about medication. What are the cases the medications are needed? That is
2: on a person by person basis. If I'm, I think Um, I didn't think that I ever needed it. I was staunchly opposed to it. I swore I would never try it. But I think it just depends how how bad you let yourself get (laughs) Um, because you're just like every other part of your body, like your brain is chemically driven. So if you have allowed things to get so bad where you are unable to do your daily functions, I would say that it's a good idea to go talk to somebody and to not be embarrassed to do it. I always tell people like, I don't just, I mean, you can go to to your general practitioner and get a suggestion of a psychologist or psychiatrist to see But I would find somebody who that's their specialty and talk to them because they will know best. And I would do that in tandem with a therapist because my therapist is holistic and they don't ever believe in medication as the first route to go. But even like at the point that I got on medication, my therapist believed that it was necessary at that time. And the other biggest component to medication is for most, uh, I don't want to say most people because I don't really know that answer technically, but I would say for a lot of people, medication is a temporary fix. Right. It helps you to get back in balance so that you can do the work yourself. It's not meant to be permanent unless, I mean, if you are a, like terribly schizophrenic or you have extreme bipolar disorder or something like that, they... Then you might need to be medicated to be able to function. But those, the very extreme cases are usually things that are diagnosed from much younger on and are known. I would think, I'm not a medical professional, so yeah. don't quote me on that. But yeah. I think for a lot of people, especially in my position, so if you have like seasonal depression, say, or generalized anxiety disorder, or like mild bipolar. I mean, one of my friends actually has pretty extreme bipolar disorder and she's not on medication anymore. She just, she was on medication. She got in really good therapy. She did the work and now she handles it on her own. Mm -hmm. So I really think it's one, like what is the strength of your mind? But two, don't be afraid or embarrassed to get on it because it truly is meant to be a temporary solution to a long-term issue mm-hmm. because at the end of the day it's not solving your problems like right it's not going to change your thought patterns right. it's not going to make you believe in yourself it's not right. going to you know cr- yeah. bring more positivity to your life it just makes it easier to handle things
0: so going back to the topic of perfectionism you dedicate a whole chapter on this topic, but not not just perfectionism. You put them together, perfectionism, guilt, shame, and forgiveness. And you mentioned also that they're all connected. So my question is, what is the connection between those idea of who we are and how to navigate life? Perfectionism, guilt, shame, and forgiveness.
2: When I was going into writing that one, I really did want to write about them all separate. I actually think I say that in there. Yeah, you did. But... Yeah. I think, at least for me personally, shame and guilt arise from my perfectionist tendencies. So when I am looking at certain things I've done or things that I've thought, and I'm like, oh my gosh, you're a terrible person. So let's say, for example, there is this girl that betrayed me a few years ago. And sometimes I don't always have the most positive thoughts about that person because quite frankly, I don't like the person. So, right. But then that makes me feel guilty or shameful for thinking thoughts like that. Mm, right. And I just allow myself to ruminate on it because I'm like, because of my perfectionist tendencies, I'm like, no, you love all people. You want to be a positive light. That is your goal. But here you are thinking these rude thoughts about this person. So, And it makes it difficult to forgive myself because of that. So that's just one scenario where I can put them all together. But I do think that a big part of breaking past perfectionism is learning when it's reasonable to feel guilt and shame. And then even when you feel those two emotions, knowing that it's it's okay to forgive yourself and move forward. And that's kind of where I feel like they all tie together. And that's not even like, Mm -hmm. you know, that was just one example. But there's so many different ways. Like, for example, if I've been looking for a new house recently and... I got, I went down a rabbit hole on Zillow looking at houses while I was at work and I was like behind on something I was supposed to be doing. And I felt so guilty. And I was like, oh my gosh, this is so bad. And then I like beat myself up about it all day. And I was like, I should have just been like, it's okay. Like go right into the forgiveness phase. Like you're fine. It happens to everybody and then just get back on track and finish the task. But instead I allow myself to just sit in that guilty feeling for too long. So I think it's just realizing when you are realizing it's okay to forgive yourself and it's okay to make mistakes. That's the biggest piece of it.
0: And another topic that I would love to talk to you about, we don't have a lot of time, but this one's a big one for me. Learning to say no, that's the boundaries and all. What is your best advice about learning to say no?
2: Well, I will say as somebody who is still working on this,
1: (laughs) if you (laughs) are
2: somebody that's programmed to do it, you just have to, it also ties into that guilt thing. Like you can't. Don't feel guilty saying no. And I think the biggest part of saying no is realizing that you're prioritizing yourself. It's not dismissing the other person, but it's making you a priority and you should always be your first priority. Mm. So you can't help someone else if your cup isn't already full. It's like when you're on the airplane, they always tell you to put your mask on first before you help somebody else. So- saying no is by, is putting your mask on. It's recognizing when you need to put something that's important to you before other people. And it's a lot about being honest. Mm-hmm. If you're busy or, I mean, I use it a lot in the context at work. When when your plate is already full, like you, it's okay to say no because at the end of the day, you're going to put yourself in a position to be overstressed and may end up letting yourself and the other person down anyways mm, right. because you just already have so much. And then realizing when saying no is helping you to be more efficient in your life. So you can only take on so much. And that doesn't just mean at work, but it means in your personal life. So if you're already busy at work or you have a lot going on at home or or say you're getting ready for like something big in your life and your friends are asking you to do stuff. It's okay to say no, like they're going to ask you again, but you don't want to ever overload yourself in work or your personal life because at the end of the day, you're going to end up unhappy. You're probably not going to present your best self to the other person. And it's just not good for anybody.
0: Right. It's not good for anyone. And it goes back to the very basic idea of honesty, Yeah, being true to yourself. And honesty goes a long way, just telling the truth. It's being vulnerable too, isn't it, Carrie? Being willing to be vulnerable.
2: Absolutely. And I will never forget, I just started a new job a few months ago, but the job before I was there for over three and a half years. And I will never forget my first boss I had when I went there told me that people will respect you more if you say no Mm. if you always say yes to people they will think you are a pushover and they will take advantage of you but if you actually show that you have confidence in yourself and you prioritize yourself as a human being Mm. they will respect you more than if you don't And I will never forget that she told me that. And I think it's so true.
0: Yeah, I agree. And that will help them more. That service them because they might change even and become more uh, of that kind of person. Honest, too, by seeing your honesty. I believe in this idea of reflection, the mirror. Just by being you, others can wake up and be themselves, too. So we're almost at the end. I love the uh, It's the Little Things chapter. I think it's your last chapter in your book. It's beautiful, though. We have all these tips, comforting activities to engage in. I love the first one. You say family is everything. And that's so true, resonates true to me, because when I ask the question, most of my guests, I do ask an ending question. That is, uh, what would you change? What would you do differently if you knew you would die soon, lose the body soon, And that always comes up. I would spend more time with my family, with my loved ones. Pretty much everyone says that. So that's interesting that you have that as the first one. And then you you have so many here that I love. I have uh, highlighted them. Exercise is a (laughs) lifesaver. Yes. Self-care is a must. Uh, Learn to meditate, read books, uh, journaling. There's another one. Oh, you mentioned this earlier. This is a basic one to uh, stop comparing your life to everyone around you. So that's a wonderful message. You have the 20th uh, tip is time in nature is healing and very much is. So thank you so much, Carrie, for the work, for doing this kind of work that has everything to do with empowering others kind of getting to know yourself better, doing the self-discovery, self-knowledge work, and then sharing that, giving that gift to us. So thank you. And I also, um, yeah, I mean, I, I will go on and on with this, with the little things. <laughs> <laughs> I love the way you say the 22 and 23rd, you talk about the panic attack survival uh, 101, and you give these advices and about nah basically not believing the fear, just let the body do what it has to do and being calm and just letting it pass through you because it's doing its thing. So that's really beautiful. I love to see that other human beings doing the work of releasing fear because there's nothing to really be afraid of about this life. We basically create all the fear. (laughs) So if we create the fear, we can uncreate. That's what I believe in, that the mind is doing all, its creating things. We have the power to uncreate whatever it is. So thank you again. And before I ask you my final questions, would you like to add anything or read a passage in your book?
2: All I want to add is just make your mental health a priority. Don't be ashamed to do so. And if you need to talk to somebody, don't be afraid to do it. There's nothing to be ashamed of. And the more people that talk about it and own their mental health, the faster the stigmas will drop. sooner that care will become more accessible to people. And it's beneficial to everybody because the more, like you've said before, like the more vulnerable you are, the more vulnerable others feel that they can also be. And vulnerability leads to so many amazing things and so many great connections. And it's just a really important part of life.
0: Yes. Yes. A thousand times. Yes, Carrie.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Not being afraid.
0: Yeah. It goes back to uh, releasing fear so we can just be ourselves. (laughs) Perfect, imperfect, whatever we are in the moment, just let it be. Forget about trying to control life because we are life itself. How do you define success these days? What is to be successful today?
2: Today for me, it's really about living in the moment as best as I can and not beating myself up over the little things. So it's recognizing that I'm going to be stressed at times and telling myself it's going to be okay and prioritizing what I need to do without feeling guilty about it. And sometimes Recently, I haven't been writing as much as many articles for my book, for example, but it's knowing that I just started a new job. So I need some time to like invest here because you need to have a balance in your life. If your full-time job is not your passion, you have to find a way to balance your at-home life, your work life, and your passion all together. And sometimes that is just what success is, is finding that balance Mm -hmm. and allowing yourself the freedom to do that without feeling pressure or guilty or you just don't need that extra added stress on yourself what is another word for healing oh that's a good one another word for healing i mean i equate healing with self-love like i feel like if you just are constantly working on self-love you will Mm. heal yourself Yes, yes, forever
0: to that self-love, returning to ourselves.
2: Yeah, because I feel like self-love is basically like giving yourself a giant hug all the time. Uh
0: Yes. Uh
2: And if you're able to do that and you are living every day in love with yourself and respecting yourself, like you can overcome anything.
0: And my last question is, what are three things about life you know for sure as of this moment?
2: Three things I know for sure. I know that no matter what I do, I can be successful at it. I know for sure that I will go through my life filled with an abundance of love because of the people I surround myself with. And I know, I think this is the one thing I always tell myself the most. I know... Bad times never last forever. And you just, just like good times never last forever. Mm. So you just have to kind of take things as they come and go with the flow, and everything will be okay.
0: Thank you so much again, Carrie, for the work you do, the way you do it. I love your presence. I love your clarity too, sharing your wisdom the way you do, and everything else in between that can be felt the vulnerability, the beauty. So, thank you. I really appreciate that, the authenticity of you.
2: Yes, thank you so much for having me. It's been so fun to talk to you because I feel like we share a lot of um, thoughts in common. So, that yeah. was awesome. Yes, absolutely. And before we say goodbye, where can
0: we find more information about you, your books, products, services, and future projects?
2: So, you can follow me on Instagram and Facebook at Carrie Thompson Author. And then you can go to my website at www.alwaysgrowingwithgratitude.com. I have my blog on there. And then any information about um, podcasts or book signings or anything like that will always be on my website.
0: Wonderful. I'll have the link on our podcast profile too. Thank you so much again, Carrie, And we'll talk soon.
1: Thank you. And bye for now. Bye. Thank you for listening. To learn more about Carrie Thompson and her work, please visit Always com. To
0: learn more about this podcast, please visit fitforjoy.org slash podcast. Thank you again for listening, and bye for now.